glad he's a prayer answering God. I'm glad he's a God of his word. He's given us promises. And those promises are yes and amen. There's nothing the world can do to make them null and void. And God's never going to take them back. So all I, the only thing I have to do on my part is believe it. If I need healing in my body, thou canst believe. All things are possible to him that believes. And then I also realize that with my mind, sometimes I believe, and yet I think to the text where the apostles did everything they knew to do. They anointed with oil, they preached, they kicked their leg, they put this boy in a headlock, spun him around, messed his hair up real good, just did everything they knew to do. They said, Lord, we could cast <laughs> and we're not sure why Jesus said because of your unbelief wow if anybody believed in Jesus and what he could do those men did they were with him all day every day they watched him do John said we've seen him do so many miracles that all the books in the whole world could contain everything that we've seen Jesus do and uh he still said, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Right. It's just sometimes stuff gets in our way. Physically, mentally, sometimes stuff gets in our way. And uh, prayer and fasting somehow moves it out of the way or moves us in alignment with God's will for our life. And somehow God breaks in and he does it. It was never a question of if he would or if he could. If thou canst believe, all things are possible. That's whether you need a miracle in your body, in your finance, on your job, in your marriage, with your children, whatever. If we can believe. I've got the promise of the word of God that I can stand upon. The Bible said that is a more sure word of prophecy, Peter said, than seeing Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration and hearing the, the voice from the Father speak and say, this is my beloved son. He said, I was there when it happened. I seen him lifted up and I heard the voice from heaven. He said, but we have a more sure word of prophecy. We've got the word of God. Yes. Amen. So, even if you've never seen with your eyes a miracle, you have a Bible that says God is a God of miracles. And if you can dare believe God, you'll see one. When I first started pastoring at Somerdale, I had been saved for seven and a half years. <laughs> I went from being saved to seven and a half years later I was pastoring a church. That was like a total blur, blink of an eye. And I'm still amazed that God was able to do that. But when I started pastoring, I remember saying to one of the men in the church, I know God is a miracle worker. I've just never seen him 
work a miracle, not with my natural eyes. And they were astounded at that. They grew up in the church and they said, you, do you mean you, you preach the gospel and you've never seen a miracle? I said, nope. I said, I've only been preaching for a few years and ain't never seen nobody really needed one. Everybody's got a headache or, you know, back's hurting, but we take enough ibuprofen that it feels better tomorrow. Never seen I mean, I've seen some people in a wheelchair, but never seen one get up and walk. I've I, I seen some people that were blind or deaf, never seen them see or hear. And so uh, he, he said these words to me. He said, well, he said, you're young and you preach long enough, you're going to see a miracle if you believe what you're preaching. I said, oh, I believe it. It wasn't long. I remember uh, Jacob Twilley, little two-year-old boy, they brought him up. He was deaf, couldn't hear as a two-year-old little boy. We prayed for him. He's got perfect hearing today. Still, still got perfect hearing. And I remember saying to the Lord, I, I've seen one now. Amen. I've seen many more since then. I've prayed and the miraculous has happened, and I've prayed, and nothing has happened. But I've never doubted that God would or that God could. Is if thou canst believe. I'm still persuaded that if I didn't have any more glasses, something happens and all the optometrists in the world die, and I don't have any more glasses, then my life is the Word of God. And I stayed on my knees often enough and long enough and talked to God about it enough. I believe I'd wake up one morning with 2020 vision. But I just put the glasses back on and go about my business. And sometimes that's the way it is in our life. If you can live without it, you do without it. When you just come to a place in God that says, I won't go another step without God's hand intervening in my life, you're about to see God move in your life. Hallelujah. I don't know why I said all that, but I did. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Been a good week. I've been, I've been uh, following online with the Dallas Church of God in a camp meeting. It's been good. Brother Tim Cawley's been preaching uh, along with Brother Michael Stevens in the mornings. Brother uh, Harry Clark preached on Monday night. Brother Kenny last night. And, and uh, of course, I can't, can't watch tonight, but I feel like almost, feel like I've been in camp meeting a little bit. It's just been good. And singers got to singing Monday night before uh, Brother Harry got up there. And I'm telling you, I had tears flowing down my face. I was in the living room crying, speaking in other tongues. I said, my God, I feel you from Dallas, North Carolina, all the way to Silver Hill, Alabama. I'm glad he's a, he's a God that's present tense. He said, I am that I am. Not I used to be or I will be. He's present tense tonight. Amen. We're going to read out of 1 Kings chapter number 17. 
got this note right in front of me, and I just looked right through it. I just, I just get locked in, just look right through it. But ladies' Bible study and fellowship, Friday, June the 24th at 6 p.m. That's this Friday. At, this Friday at 6 o'clock. So uh, this month we will be meeting at Sister Tammy's house. It's got the address on the note, ladies, if you need one. And uh, also like to have a potluck and games to enjoy fellowship with our sisters. Please let Sister Bobby or Sister Tammy know if you're coming and if uh, you could bring something. And uh, it's an open invitation to bring someone with you. And uh, I know you're going to have a good time in the Lord. We sure do. As men, we get together, we have a good time. I know you will as well. What's the day of the outreach you got, Scooch? Monday. Monday is the outreach. This coming up Monday? Okay, this coming up Monday uh, is an outreach, a community outreach at the Magnolia Springs Fire Department. It's just right down the road on 49 there. And uh, what is? We're going to be cooking burgers. And uh, if they want to come, if somebody wants to come up around 530 and help uh, get the condiments and everything ready, or help Steve cook the burgers. And, but they have to eat at 6, and then they have a meeting at 630. So we'll have 30 minutes there where we can just fellowship and keep them away. Okay. We're cooking burgers for the yes. fire department and town meeting. So if you want to help with the burgers or help with uh, you know, the condiments that go with it or whatever. He's starting at 530 and they're going to be eating at 6. So uh, I know that uh, they will appreciate uh, the help. I would be there except I'm going to be preaching in Orlando, Florida. So uh, I know it'll be good. First Kings, chapter number 17, verse number 1 is where I'll begin. You can just remain seated. I've got a lot of texts. I don't want you to have to. I don't want you to be looking over the top of your glasses at me saying, would you hurry up? I went to Africa one year. I preached. I had about 15 or 20 scriptures I needed to read to set the, lay the groundwork for what I was going to preach. And I'd read us a verse and they'd read a verse in Swahili the time we got through doing that I think we read about 40 verses but Brian McDonald looked at me he leaned over against the wall and said come on man <laughs> praise the Lord he told me he said just let them read it you don't have to read it and let them repeat just let them read it let's get on with the preaching <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I want to read tonight. If you want to follow along with me in your Bible, I'm going to skip and bounce around, but I'll let you know when I start skipping around. 1 Kings 17, beginning with verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him. I want you just to make a notation of that in your Bible. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, 
Turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Put you a little mark by that. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And in verse 8, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, put you a little mark by that. The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. You notice a pattern there? Two times God speaks. Two times he obeys. First Kings 17 and verse 17, it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. This is the widow woman in Zarephath. Her boy has died. And in verse 20, Elijah, he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. And the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. This time, instead of the word of the Lord coming to Elijah and him obeying, life hit Elijah and the widow right in the mouth. And Elijah went unto God and cried unto the Lord in prayer, and God heard his prayer and answered. Then in 1 Kings 18 and verse number 1, came to pass after many days, here it is again, that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. This is the third year since Elijah said it won't rain, neither shall there be any dew on the earth. There in the third year, it's been three and a half years actually, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go show thyself unto Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. That's got to be a good feeling. God tells you when it hadn't rained and there hadn't been no dew on the windshield in three and a half years, it's going to rain. It's got to be a good feeling. So down in verse 36, it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, that I am thy servant. And here it is. And that I have done all these things at thy word. Everything that's happened, Lord, I've done because you said for me to do it. Verse 37, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. 
Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. In verse 46, in the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. He girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. This is the portion of the message that I'm calling the mountaintop of victory. God is speaking. Elijah's listening. The Spirit of God is moving. Miracles are happening. People are being saved. Fire is falling from heaven. The nation is being turned to God. It's raining and healing the land. The mountaintop of victory. Don't get much better than all that. Then all of a sudden, it's almost like somebody grabbed the emergency brake, pulled it up, spun the steering wheel. We done spun around in a 180 and fixing to go right in the opposite direction. How does it happen? How does it happen so fast? In 1 Kings 19 and 1, and Ahab told Jezebel, all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods, you mean the gods that you prayed to all day and that never answered? Those gods? So let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Verse number three, make a note right here because there's no, and the word of the Lord came unto Elijah. God is not speaking here. Jezebel is speaking here. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he, he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked and beheld, or behold, there was a, cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water in his head. He did eat and drink and laid him down again. The angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights under Horeb the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. The Lord wouldn't leave him alone under the juniper tree, so he went and found a, a cave, a hole in the mountains and crawled up in there. Are we even talking about the same guy? <laughs> he came thither unto a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Elijah, how did we get from Jezreel 
to the wilderness of Beersheba. Who brought you here? When did I ever tell you to come here? What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Woo! He's got it bad. We all do when we're in the wilderness. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. He's on Mount Horeb. It says, and behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and breaking pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so that when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? I've never seen this before, but we went from the mountaintop of victory into the wilderness of defeat. I didn't read every single verse, but I read 33 verses in total. I'm telling you, that's a quick U-turn. 33 verses of victory and shouting and miracles and celebrations and revivals and healings and to what are you doing? Where are you at? Why are you here? What's going on with you? Father, would you speak to our heart tonight through and by the word of God. Lord, I could never have seen this without your spirit. God, quickening my spirit, leading me and guiding me in the scriptures, speaking to my heart. God, even so for a Wednesday night, you've ordained this message, this service for somebody that needs to hear it. Maybe they've gone from the mountaintop of victory and are now in the wilderness of defeat. Or maybe they are currently on the mountaintop of victory and you're going to steer them away from making the same mistake that Elijah did and being summoned to the wilderness of the feet. You've written these things, the Apostle Paul said, for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the, earth, of the world are come, for our example, for our instruction in righteousness and holiness. I pray, God, we would hear the word of the Lord tonight, and like the prophet Elijah, we would obey your voice. God, we'd be warned of your spirit. God, should you find us tonight that we're in the wilderness of defeat, uh, I pray that we would hear the still, small voice that calls us out. Yeah. Oh, God, that you'd restore unto us victory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Yeah. You love the Lord, would you say amen? We see in this vast stretch of Scripture the rise and the fall, the highs and the lows of the prophet Elijah. So it is with all men. 
For so it has been with all men, except for the man Christ Jesus, who was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. Jesus never went high and low on, on the Father. He never went up and down and in and out and flesh and spirit. And the Bible said that if we say that we abide in him, we ought to walk even as he walked while he was on the earth. So the Spirit of God's goal in me is to make me like Jesus is to keep me out of the wilderness of defeat and to keep me on the mountaintop of victory. Amen. As we follow Elijah all the way to the top of Carmel, his mountaintop of victory, he is hearing the word of the Lord and he is following God's voice and walking in obedience. I would like to say he's uh, in a tight walking in the spirit. The steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. And uh, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That's the way Elijah's life is going at that moment. And as we follow him, a day's journey from, from Carmel into the wilderness of Beersheba, he went on his own with no word from God he went in response to the threat of Jezebel and a spirit of fear. It is very easy, so easy, in good times, during the mountaintop days, to take a breath, to look back at the long season of drought that we've been asked to endure, and to say to ourselves, thank God I survived the famine built an altar, prayed down fire, slew false prophets. Uh, I've earned my stripes. It's time to take it easy. The rain is falling. I'm just going to soak it in. My battle days are over. I'm going to let somebody else do the fighting. I'm going to let somebody else do the worshiping. I'm going to let somebody else do the praying and fasting and I'll let somebody else hear the word of the Lord and do the preaching. I've paid my dues. I've earned my stripes, but the battle isn't over, buddy. The battle isn't over, buddy, because uh, before he could even take a deep breath, Jezebel said, by this time tomorrow, let the gods do so and more to me if I don't make you like one of the prophets that you slew at the brook. Jezebel has always been and will always be a type of the flesh. And Jezebel was still in the picture and Jezebel was still sitting on the throne with Abraham and she still had the power and she still had authority and she rose right up after the fire fell and she rose right up after the rain descended and she rose right up after all the people said the Lord he is the God and she made the threat before he could even barely get down off the mountain top of victory Jezebel was waiting on it 
As long as we reside in this body of flesh, there is still a battle to fight. I don't care if you have the best service of your life Sunday morning. God touched you and God spoke to you and you felt enough victory to raise a, a valley full of dry bones. When you wake up the next day, you're going to be cased in flesh. And your flesh is going to rise up and say, hey, you've been praying. God's answered. Take it easy. You paid your dues, earned your stripes. Let somebody else do it for a while. I mean, come on. You, you're, you're, you're carrying it all on your back. Just uh, You deserve a break. I just want to tell you the day you decide to kick your your, your, your work shoes off or take your war clothes off. The day you decide to let dust collect on, your, on the cover of your Bible. The day you're so spiritual that you don't need to pray or at least for a good while until things get bad again uh, is the day you're going to find yourself uh, underneath the juniper tree and God's going to be asking you, what are you doing? As long as we reside in this body of flesh, there's still always a battle to fight. There's no place here in this life to lay our armor down and quit the battle. As a matter of fact, Jesus said the only rest you'll find in this life is in Christ, is in the Spirit. When you cease from your own labor, or when you cease from the works of the flesh, only then can you rest in the Holy Ghost. But it'll be a war till the day you draw your last breath. It'll be a war against hell and against your own flesh to make yourself pray through, to make yourself be faithful to God, to make yourself study, to show yourself approved unto God. You don't know it all, and you're never going to know it all. You need a new and a fresh revelation. God isn't through talking to you yet. I'm sorry. I'm yelling at I got to wear it. I'm a, I'm a yeller. Galatians 5 and 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. The Amplified Bible reads it like this. For the sinful nature has its desire, which is opposed to the spirit. And the desire of the spirit opposes the sinful nature. For these two, the sinful nature and the spirit, are in direct opposition to each other and are continually in conflict so that you as believers do not always do whatever good things that you would want to do. The Apostle Paul said the same thing. He said, the good that I would do, that I do not. But the evil that I would not do, he said, that is what I do. 
He said there is a war in my members. He said, oh wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? He said, thanks be unto God that gives us the victory. Amen. Romans 8 and 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. If the righteousness of the word of God is going to be fulfilled in your life, it'll be as you walk in the spirit. It can't be fulfilled in you through the flesh. Can't. Verse 5, for they that are after the flesh, they that are walking in the flesh, do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity or opposition against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to live, or we're debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify or put to death the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Paul said the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? He went off into a long list of sinful deeds. Without naming all of them, the, the word he used for works there, the works of the flesh. In the Greek, uh, it means to, the word picture is to work or to strive at doing your job so that you can get to the end goal, the end result. You know, a, a, a pain and body man, he puts in work all week long. He cuts out the rust, uh, patches in, uh, you know, a, a metal piece, uh, grinds that thing down flush, or if he wants to go the cheaper route, he puts him in some Bondo and sands that down real flush and gets it smooth, uh, puts him some primer on, gets everything right, uh, lays him a you know, a, a coat of paint on, puts him a finishing clear coat on there. He's working, 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 working. And that painted car, that shiny new paint job is the end result of his work. That is the word that Paul uses for the works of the flesh are manifest. Meaning when you don't pray, when you don't hear from God, the word of the Lord came unto Elijah. When you were not praying, when you were not at the altar, when you were not hearing from God, then the flesh goes to work. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I said, then the flesh goes to work. While dust is being collected on your Bible, the flesh is going to work. Somebody said the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. He didn't have to. Your flesh was working over time. That ain't the devil. That's you. You'll never read. I, I never really paid attention to it, but God told me this. You'll never read in your Bible of the works of Satan. Other than through the Antichrist, he had lying wonders and power was given unto him. But you'll never hear about the works of Satan are manifest, which are these. What you will hear is the works of the flesh are manifest. Murder, adultery, heresy, lasciviousness, lying, all of that. Envy, hatred, malice, strife, anger. Works of the flesh. Well, the devils just took them over. Their flesh is unharnessed. Their flesh is unhinged. Their flesh is working overtime. And what you see manifest in their life is the finished work of a flesh working and working and working. And working, there's no check to it. There's no depth of depravity that a man will stoop to left unchecked, left unreproved, left unhindered or unmolested. That's why Christ said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. But even if a man don't believe what you're saying, conviction can slow him down. Conviction can give him a guilty conscience. Conviction will make him wish that he would stop. It'll make him think twice. But a man unchecked or unhindered by the convicting work of the Word of God or the Holy Ghost there's no bottom that he'll go to. He'll molest a child. He'll murder his brother. He'll hate. He'll be full of malice and strife. He'll lie and cheat. No bottom to it. I usually try to throw a Democrat joke in there somewhere. That's where every nation that forgets God will be turned into hell. That's just flesh. God leaving them to do what they want to do. You don't want me. You don't want my commandments on your courthouse wall. You don't want my Bible in your schools. You want to regulate Christ out of the government with separation of church and state? Go ahead and see where your flesh See what the end of that road is. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The devil don't need to get in your way. All the devil needs to do is stay out of your way and let you do what your flesh wants to do. Revelation 12 and 11, they overcame him. 
Sound like a war to me. Yeah. Sound like fighting a battle. They overcame him yeah. by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives. They loved not their flesh right. unto death. First yeah. John 2 and 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. I thought the Bible said, for God so loved the world. For God so loved lost humanity. But the word he uses for world, here's the world order, the world system that marches to the beat of the Antichrist and that caters to your flesh. If any man love the world or the things of the flesh, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and here he, here he describes what that world system is. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Yes. On the mountaintop of victory, we're praying Spirit of God is speaking. We're hearing and we're obeying. We're serving God. The fire's falling. We're raising the widow's boy to life again. The nation's being turned back to God and it's raining when it hadn't rained in a long time. That's a mountaintop of victory. That's walking in the Spirit. That's building your altar, staying on your knees, staying in the word of God, hearing from heaven, putting your flesh to death at the cross, mortifying the deeds of your body. God whispers, and you say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. God can give you a dream when your body's dead tired. Though the outward man perishes, yet is the inward man renewed day by day. You can lay down dog tired, but you lay down spiritually rested in Christ and you had a dream and you woke up and you knew it was from God. You come to church not feeling well or dog tired or half sick or barely got a voice because you wore it out preaching or singing and somebody's standing in the altar and God speak to your heart a word from the Lord and you whisper in their ear, the Lord told me to tell you and I've watched it come to pass to many times but neglect that altar and leave your Bible shut the dreams will dry up there'll be no fresh word from God you can click a sermon you can listen to one off the internet and mock it like a parrot but there won't be any victory there'll be no anointing nobody's going to get saved delivered or healed it's not going to rain Jezebel, type of the flesh. All she does says the next day after the rain fell, coming for you today, buddy. I'm going to kill you like you killed my prophets. My turn now. I'm still in the driver's seat. I don't get it. I really don't. I still don't. I've read this story a million times, and I don't understand it. Other than 
I know we can leave some of the most glorious heaven-filled services and think the devil's all up under our feet and wake up the next morning and seem like all hell's against us. All that good feeling that you felt is gone. And the first thing your flesh does is war against your mind. Say, my God, every ounce of victory God gave you is gone. All that good ground, earth-soaking rain, that healing rain over the land, this ground so desperately needed and licked up and those people rejoicing and worshiping and praising God, all of that don't amount to a hill of beans because Jezebel's after you. I just like to think I'd have called somebody on Monday morning and said, my God, we had church last night. It's just been hard to knock me off a spiritual high in one day. But I, I know better than to say that because I've been knocked down in a day before. But it all goes back to if thou canst believe. Sometimes you just got to say to your flesh, don't matter what you feel like. God's still God. The Lord is moving. The promises of God are yes and amen. Don't matter what they said. Don't matter how I feel. Don't matter what the world's doing. Jezebel rises up and said, going to get you. And no word from the Lord. I mean, we've been, and the word of the Lord came into Elijah for three and a half years. That's all we've been hearing. And the word of the Lord came into Elijah and said, I want you to go to the brook Cherith and hide out there. I'm going to command ravens to come and feed you, and I'll make that brook uh, give you water to drink. God told him where to go, and he went. Yeah. Then the brook dried up, and God said, get out of here. He chased the ravens away and said, I want you to go to Zarephath, a city in Sidon. Heathen nation, Gentile people. But I got a woman there that knows me and loves me. I commanded her to sustain me. So he leaves his own land and goes into a foreign land because the word of the Lord came into Elijah the second time and said, Arise and go to Zarephath. And he got up and went. And the Bible said, the crews of oil never went dry and the mill barrel never run out. God sustained for however long. The widow woman's son died while he's there. He cries out to the Lord and God answers prayer and he sees revival. Yes. That's anytime you see somebody being raised from the dead in the Bible, God sent him to Zarephath because that city needed revival. And then the word of the Lord came unto Elijah and said, Get up and go show yourself to Ahab, the king that's been hunting you down, trying to kill you for the last three and a half years. Go and show yourself to Ahab. And Elijah arose and went. But as soon as Jezebel, a type of the flesh, says to him, you can't win. I mean, you've done, 
You've been at this for three and a half years and you can't win. Jezebel's still in power. You still, the day after the fire fell and the rain descended, you've been on the mountaintop of victory and you woke up with the Monday morning blues. You can't win. There just ain't no camp meeting you can go to that when you leave, life ain't going to smack you in the mouth again. You could have flown to Dallas and been there three services a day. That choir singing the glory down, those three men of God preaching your soul on fire. When you come back to Poland, everything is still going to be here warring against you. Well, I just can't win. And so he got up and went. Whoa, time out. What happened to the word of the Lord? I'm taking a break from the word of the Lord. I remember telling Brother Brian one time I was going to resign. Not here, but at Summerdale. I said, going to resign. He said, when God tell you that? I said, he didn't. He said, well, how you going to resign? I said, I've asked him what he wanted me to do. He didn't give me no answer. He didn't tell me to resign, but he didn't tell me I couldn't. So <laughs> I'm going with it. He said, you know that ain't right. <laughs> you know that ain't right. And so we went to praying and fasting. That's what, that's what Jesus said. Some kind going not out but by prayer and fasting. Your flesh wants to quit. Do you know what? At that time, if I would have quit, I would have missed out on the one one out of two real moves of God that I've ever seen during my ministry in my life. One was there and one's been here. Real, genuine move of God. Your flesh, maybe right on the brink of a breakthrough. God is about to do something that would blow your mind and your flesh says, I can't take it. I can't handle it. I'm fed up. I'm out. I'm gone. I'm tired of it. If God didn't say, then you better tell Jezebel to shut up. If it's not the word of the Lord coming to you, then you better stay where God put you. Oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. You better do what you know God told you to do until you definitely hear God tell you to do something different. Because your flesh puts you under a juniper tree. I showed you what was happening on the mountaintop of victory. I mean, revival, nations turning to God, fire falling, miracles happening, rain descending. That's a man walking in the spirit. What's going to happen? You get in that wilderness of defeat underneath the juniper tree. I can tell you what happened. He went to sleep. He went to sleep. I know this nation is full of sleepy Christians. 
We're on the brink of a rapture. And they're sound asleep. might be what I am is an alarm clock. I've got one on my phone. It's one of those obnoxiously loud alarms. <laughs> and the longer it goes off, the louder it gets until you turn it off. That thing intends for you to get up. <laughs> and if I don't get up, Sister Kim is going to get me up. <laughs> Would you get up? And turn that thing off. <laughs> I think it went off at Caitlin's house one day. She said, Dad, that thing is so obnoxious that if I listen to that more than one morning, I'd beat it with a hammer. <laughs> that thing intends for you to get up and God sent an angel to Elijah. Get up! When he gets up, there's cake baked, cruise of waters at his head. God's a good God. He'll be merciful to you and be good to you when you need to be chastised or punished. The goodness of God ought to lead a man to repentance. When you're not praying, when you're not where you ought to be, God will let the Holy Ghost come down in a service. That's the blessings of God on credit. You didn't do nothing to earn it. It's the grace of God. It's the mercy of God. It's the goodness of God. Feeding your soul. Watering you when you're sleeping. You know what he did? He got up, ate, and drank. Patted the angel on the back. That was one of the best messages I heard in a long time. It felt good in here tonight. We had good church tonight. Went right back to sleep. He ain't a bit different, Brother Bob. He went right back to sleep. You know what God did? He sent that angel right back. Said, uh-uh. You go right back again. You tell him, I said, wake up. The Bible said that he woke him up the second time. Want to know what you'll do in the wilderness of defeat? You're sleeping. I'll tell you what you're doing. Nothing. You're doing nothing. Don't take any spirit to, to come and let the preacher try to move you. You better preach a hot one tonight. I'm tired. I've been working that heat all day. I'm tired. You better have a good red hot one tonight. Or I'm going to go to sleep uh, on you. No, you're not going to sleep on me. You're going to sleep on God. If I felt like that, uh, I'd be pacing the floor. I'd be clapping my hands. Uh, I'd be waving my arm. I'd be saying to my flesh, uh, I am tired. Dog tired. But I'm in the battle and Jesus hadn't come back yet. I'll tell you what else happens. He moved by Jezebel now, not by the voice of God. Not only will your flesh put you to sleep, your flesh make you hard. He goes from the shadow of a juniper tree 
That angel won't leave him alone, Brother Ray. He said, I'm going, I'm going to climb a little bit higher. See if I can get the Lord to leave me alone. I'll, get, I'll go a little bit higher. And he went up into the mountain, the Mount of Horeb, called the Mount of God. A good spiritual place, a good spiritual plateau. And he crawled up in a cave, Brother Bob. Up in the old cave, I heard Brother Tim preach on it years ago. The cave of despondency. I'm going to crawl up in here and I ain't doing nothing else. I ain't going nowhere else. I ain't saying nothing else. I'm done. I'm toast. I'm finished. Well, if it was one of your friends, if it was your spouse, if it was your mom or your daddy, do you know what they would tell you? Fine. Quit. If you're finished, I'm finished. I ain't fooling with you no more. I'm tired of your attitude. I'm tired of you sleeping on me. God, thank God, he's God and I ain't. Know what God did? He said, the Lord spoke to him. I said, get out of that. He said, what doest thou here, Elijah? Get out of that cave. I ain't just yelling, I'm getting violent. <laughs> I slapped Brother Corey if you didn't know. Get out of there. You know what he did, Brother Eddie? He stayed right there. Not even God on a word of the Lord pulled him out of that cave. The Lord said unto him, what doest thou here, Elijah? Well, I've been a faithful man. I've been a red-hot preacher. I slew all the prophets. I rebuilt the altar. I'm the only one living for God. And they still seeking my life to kill it. That's why I'm in here. I got good reason to be in here. The Lord said, come out of there. The Bible said, God sent a wind. And it rent the rocks into pieces. But the Lord was not in the wind. God sent a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. God sent an earthquake. <laughs> but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Elijah was still in the cave. And then, a still, small voice. And when Elijah heard the still, small voice, and he said the second time, What doest thou here, Elijah? You know what I think the still, small voice said to him, Brother Cor? A hurricane won't move you. Wind strong enough to rend rocks. A hurricane won't even move you. Not Sally. Not Katrina. Not Ivan. I can't even get a hurricane to move Come you. Come on. I've watched God send those three, and it ain't moved nobody. 
And then he got personal with me. And he said, I can't move you with a fire. I can send a fire and burn up everything you got. And not move you. I didn't hear God say that to me, but I, I, I was reminded of my fire. Ooh if I can't move a man, there's something wrong with you. Then God sent an earthquake. Shook everything. I want to tell you the whole earth's being shook right now. He said, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. So that only that, that that cannot be shaken will remain. God is going to shake up our politics. God is going to shake up our economy. God is going to shake up our liberties and freedoms. Wouldn't nothing move us. We've gone from the word of the Lord came unto Elijah to God saying to Elijah, won't nothing move you. Because uh, you quit praying. You're not in that, in that word anymore. You're walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. What's wrong with you? What uh, are you doing in this place? Nothing I do anymore moves you. Not a good church service. Not a fiery message. Not the heavens and the earth being shook. Nothing moves you anymore. I want to stand on my head. I'm proud for people that watch uh, the, the, the live stream every now and again. But I want to stand on my head sometimes and say, what is it going to take for you to get yourself back where you know you need to be in God? When he heard that still small voice, I believe the still small voice said, I've done everything I know to do. I've tried to wake you up. I've baked you cakes, put cruises of water at your head. I've sent wind, I've sent fire, and I've shook the earth. Bye. He wrapped his mantle over his face and walked out of that cave. Whoa, wait a minute, Lord. I don't know if that's what he said, but he heard a still, small voice, and it said something that the fire couldn't say. It said something that the wind couldn't say. It said something that the earthquake couldn't say, and it said something to get a man that wouldn't wake up and it couldn't be moved. It made him run to the door of that cave. And then when the Lord had his attention, he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? I don't have time, but before the Lord came and took him up in a chariot, a whirlwind and fire, God said, got a long way to go, but you're going to anoint Elisha to be prophet in your stead. And all those stops on the way back to the Jordan where the Lord swooped and got him, every one of them stops. Brother Brian preached it here last year at camp meeting. It was God renewing 
the old man so that he could call the young man. He had to stop in Gilgal. You know what Gilgal is? The first stop. Gilgal's a place where they had to cut away. They had to circumcise. Cutting away of the flesh. The Lord said, first order of business, son, we're going to put this flesh to death. You're going to get back in that altar and you're going to pray through. You're going to learn to walk in the spirit again. And we're going to go from there to the word of the Lord. I'm through, I'm finished. God said tonight you're going to preach from the mountaintop of victory to the wilderness of defeat. Now I don't know if what God was saying you're on the mountaintop of victory and you better keep that alive else you end up in the wilderness of defeat. I hope that's where you're at. But if you're under that juniper tree or you're in that cave of despondency. You're at home feeling real spiritual. <laughs> you're in that cave of despondency because you don't ever crack that Bible. You don't ever pray. And that live stream makes you feel just spiritual enough to leave you where you are. God said, Christ is coming. We're on the brink of the rapture. And you better get up. You better come out of that despondent state. There's still some things that need to be done before that trumpet sounds. If you intend to make it in that city. It's going to cost you something to see your loved ones get saved. I can tell you that. Before God's going to call young men, he's got to wake the old ones up. seen just how easy you can go from the mountaintop to the wilderness. We also seen you can recover and go from the wilderness to Jordan to raptured out in glory. Hallelujah. I feel God in this house tonight. Hallelujah. Father, I preached your word. I know you wanted me to preach this at camp meeting, but you burned it in me so hot that I couldn't go another day without preaching it right here. God, there's somebody here. I fear in the shadow of a juniper or in the dark depths of a cave of despondency. You are tonight calling them out. I pray for the hook of Holy Ghost convicting power to grab a hold to them. Jezebel has risen up and convinced them that they can't win. They've done everything. They obeyed the voice of the Lord. They've done everything you told them to do, but all of a sudden the flesh has convinced them that they can't win. God, now, they've marched right under a juniper tree. Despondency is set in. I pray, oh God, tonight, bake them a cake. Set a cruise of water at their head. Speak to them by the still, small voice of God. Start them on a road to recovery. On a pathway to victory and revival and power. Meet us in this altar as I pray. Almighty God. 
Hallelujah. You need to say to your flesh, to your body, to your soul, to your mind and your spirit, I'm moving toward God. I'm obeying the voice of the Lord. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and I start my march. I start my ascent up the mount of God tonight, Lord. Come on, meet me in this altar tonight. Let God help you. Let God help you.